So we're live. Uh, welcome to Two Guys in a Mic. I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And uh, you want to? Ha- you have some announcements? Uh, yeah, first Dan? I want to announce next week, May 6th, we got Bob Corshane, Elder Bob Corshane from Meadowbrook Church in Howard, Wisconsin will be on the show. Um, this will be uh, his second part. Uh, he asked the us. second edition. Yeah, second edition. He asked <laughs> us to come back on. Uh, May 13th, we're going to have off for Mother's Day so we can all enjoy our mothers. Uh, May 22nd is Pastor Sue Schneider from the Trinity Lutheran Church in Madison, Wisconsin. She'll be on our show. And then we, we're going to have a special show May 27th, but uh, because of scheduling difficulties, we canceled the show. So May 27th, uh, we will not be having a show, but we will be uh, rescheduling that for June 10th. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out there and tell them what the show is about. Sure. It's going to be called The Power of Prayer. Um, we're going to have a bunch of uh, past guests on the show, and uh, we're going to see uh, exactly uh, what everyone feels, the power of prayer, uh, how it affects people and stuff. And, and June 10th will actually be the last show of this season, and then we'll be back on the air in September. Um, right now we would like to introduce Dr. Kent Hoven from... Uh, Christian Science Evangelism. Hello, Dr. Hoven. Hello, good to be with you again. Uh, All right. Well, um, if we can uh, start off right away, the first question is, what exactly is Christian Science Evangelism? Creation Science. Creation Science Evangelism. Well, creation, um, science evangelism, evangelism, let's go backwards here, is the idea that we fulfill what Jesus told us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and get them converted and get them baptized and get them into the church and out doing the same thing. So the way we do that with our ministry is we use the scientific evidence that supports creation as a means of evangelism. We find that a whole lot of people in the world, and especially in America, have been brainwashed with this stupid evolution theory, and they think that they're, you know, the world is billions of years old, which it's not. And they think dinosaurs lived millions of years ago, which they did not. And they think we evolved from an ape-like creature, which we did not. And so we use the scientific evidence that supports the Bible being scientifically true as a means of evangelism. And it works really, really, really well. We get many, probably hundreds of thousands of people converted over to believe the Bible and give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. So that's what I've been doing for 30 years now. Amen to that. Um I have uh, uh, one uh, one thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, how some people believe in uh, man coming, evolving from apes. Well, I had an ex-father-in-law that I swore w- was ape-like, but uh, <laughs> I guess that don't count. Um, can, can you explain to us some of the ways that you... <laughs> I've seen a few that make me wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you explain to us uh, some of the ways that you help people realize of, the, the science behind everything as far as what the Bible teaches? Well, God really prepared me in, in many ways for this. He gave me a wonderful mom and dad. My mom was a kindergarten teacher for 20 years and taught me to read early and read fast and read lots. And my dad was an engineer and taught me to think logically. And uh, so over the uh, years as I was growing up, I, I, I was taught evolution and believed it. For many years, I ended up teaching science myself for 15 years in high school. And the uh, I, I use I started off in my seminar teaching 
about the age of the Earth, there's all kinds of ways to prove this Earth cannot be billions of years old. And I have found if you, if you can take away the billions of years propaganda, the whole evolution theory falls in a heap. Uh, there's, that, that answers all the questions. Because the, the major thing that the atheists and evolutionists hide behind is time. They'll say, well, given enough time, anything can happen. Right. First place, that's not true, but I mean, given enough time, you could never roll the dice and roll a 13. I don't care how much time you give it. It's not going to happen. Correct, correct. Uh, so the uh, idea that time would solve the problem is incorrect, but that's what they believe, capital B, believe. Evolution's a religion. Right. They believe in it very strongly, and I admire their faith, but it's not science. But when I get into it, I've done 141 debates now with evolutionists. I've learned you have to define the word evolution. Exactly what are we talking about here? So that's critical. They will give examples of what we often call microevolution. That's variations within the same kind. And then try to get people to believe with the bait and switch method that they have now proven macroevolution, which is nothing could be further from the truth. No one's ever seen a dog produce a non-dog or a frog produce a non-frog, but they believe dogs and frogs are related. <laughs> um, uh, you brought up a good point about... Uh, Don't they? Or exactly, exactly. You had brought up a good point talking about uh, the teachings in the schools nowadays. Um, there's a lot of teaching about evolution. Um, it just seems like the uh, education in the United States here is getting away from Christianity. Um, do you see that happening yourself in your area? Um, now, you're in Alabama, correct? Right. Someone gave us property straight north of Pensacola, 70 miles, in a little tiny town called Lenox, Alabama. And I've been to many, many of the public schools here. I spoke at one last week. I speak at the public schools, and, and they come here with their kids, stuff like that. So we have a great ministry to the public schools. They're much more open here than many other parts of the country to the idea that there's a creator. I don't preach to them and try to get them converted when I go to their schools. Now, when they come here to Dinosaur Adventureland, we do. That's, they're on my territory now. We're going to try to preach to them, get them converted. Right. But, um, yeah, there's a, what happened in the late 50s, the Soviets beat us in the space race by launching Sputnik, which really was more like a cannonball than a you know, just shoot it up and hope it lands, you know, right. more than, than, than what we did you know, as a satellite. Um, so ours was much more high tech, but they did beat us in the space race. And Americans panicked and thought, oh, no. The Soviets are ahead of us in science. And so they said it must be because they teach evolution, which, of course, evolution has nothing to do with science or launching a rocket or anything else. But in 1959, Eisenhower asked Congress for $1 billion to push more evolution into the textbooks so that we could catch up with the Soviets as part of the space race propaganda. And so I cover all this on my video number one. People can get my video uh, DVD all of them, the whole series on drdino.com, D-R-D-I-N-O, um, and the whole series, 18 hours is 50 bucks, and you can, or you can order it by calling 855-BIG-DINO, like a big dinosaur. Right. Um, but the Soviet uh, space race uh, hoax was the uh, catalyst for them getting more evolution in the textbooks. And if you look at a chart, a couple of years later, there was the um, uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare's case to get um, evolution into the schools more evolution teaching, uh, and that's when 1963 is when the whole American society 
really began to unravel with a fabulous uh, up, uptick in um, all, all sorts of problems, violent crimes, premarital sex, uh, divorce rates, I mean, on and on. I, I can show the charts on my seminar part one of what happened starting in about 1963 when they started pushing more evolution into the textbooks. 1959, they got the grant money, it took a while to rewrite the books, and by the time they hit the schools, it had a, just a dramatic, a terrible effect, in my humble opinion, uh, teaching kids they're an animal, and then we sit and wonder, why are they acting like animals? Well, aren't, aren't uh, well, we primates? Teaching them. Aren't we primates, Dr. Hogan? Well, yeah, it depends how you want to classify things. We're also uh, affected by gravity. Does that mean everything affected by gravity is related? <laughs> uh, bowling balls are affected by gravity. Well, Jason does kind of look like a bowling ball. Any way you want. Right, right. Um, well, we, as far as uh, apes and humans, were very, very similar. Was it 90, 98 point something percent related genetically? Well, they used to teach that they used to teach that it was a ninety eight point six percent similarity in the DNA. Right, right. That would be like looking at a a, a book and say, and finding the letters in the book are in a certain sequence, and you find another book that's ninety eight percent the same, identical. You would say, oh wow, look at the similarities in the sequence of letters, like maybe the same words or sentences, etc. Right. First place, now they've discovered the similarities more like ninety one percent. It's not ninety eight. And the more they study them. The more, the more the problem becomes apparent. And secondly, just a, a one-tenth of a thousandth of a percent of, uh, of a difference can make a huge difference. You can change one letter in a sentence and totally change the meaning of the sentence. Uh, yeah, uh, correct. You can change one word, uh, you know. Right. Well, like you can... add the word not. I, I, said, I said he killed that person. I said he did not kill that person. Well, those sentences have lots of similarities. But the, they're saying the opposite thing. Well, so I think the evolutionists are so desperate for evidence for their dumb religion. They, they call <laughs> DNA evidence. It's, it's not evidence for it. The code is so complex, it had to be designed uh, for humans and for chimpanzees and apes. Right, right. When we talk about two books, how they're different. Let's so just... if, there are, if there are similarities. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say the similarities between apes and humans proves we have a common designer. Not a common ancestor. Right. When you were talking about books, uh, as far as, uh, you know, 91% has some, you know, sentences changed or whatever, that's just called a second edition. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, Dr. Well, Dr. Holvin. Um, I, I think we could point out, we could point out, well, hang on, we could point out that the Honda Accord and the Honda Prelude probably have thousands of similarities. Right. I Correct. bet the lug nuts are interchangeable. Right. Uh, the steering wheel might be interchangeable. The radio might be interchangeable. Does that prove they both evolved from a skateboard, or they both came from the same manufacturer? Right. Right. But uh, how point. you use you use yeah. cars as an example, but uh, they don't procreate. You know what well, I mean? Adding adding procreation makes it even a billion times more complex. Okay. Cars are created. And babies are created. Your mama can explain how that works to you. And so the, uh, the fact that there are similarities, <laughs> the fact that there are similarities, is indication of a common designer, not a common ancestor. So the, the atheists, you know, and I use illustrations of 
like cars or th something like that with similarities, and they'll always say, well, they don't reproduce. I'll say, well, you're missing the entire point. Adding the ability, what if the cars could reproduce? That would be a billion times more complex than coming down the assembly line and being produced. Right. Not so you're making your argument worse. The fact that animals are able to reproduce is, I ask atheists all the time, I say, which evolved first, the male or the female? Right. right. Don't you have to have both at the same time in the same place of the opposite sex and they got to find each other and be interested? There's a whole list of problems here. Well, I think there are some animals that are, I think they're called asexual, where they can uh, either reproduce with uh, another one or they can have sex with themselves. You know? Um, I, think it's, I think it's called boring, asexual. But you're right, there are some. <laughs> that would so, be boring. But that would be how, I mean, how it, it could have <laughs> happened. I know you had a... You had a recent, can I remember I watched it, you had a, a debate with Bill Ludlow. You remember that debate, I'm sure. And, well, <laughs> and, and he came yes, up, sir. he came up with some really good arguments as far as uh, evolution. Um, what do you, what do you think? Well, like what? Yeah. Well, he was. Example. I don't recall. I, he, I've done 140 right, debates he was, he with was, evolutionists. I don't recall the details of that one. He was uh, given uh, showing the bones and and uh, how they were processed and how they were aged and everything. It's it seemed like good evidence. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I try to point out. Go ahead. I try to point out to all of the. I point out to all of them, guys. It's it's obvious. If you find bones in the dirt, all you know is it died. Right. You can't prove those bones had any children that lived. You certainly couldn't prove they had different children. And why on earth would anybody think a bone in the dirt is able to do something no animal today can do? There's a whole lot of animals on planet Earth, like a whole lot of them. And most of them are having babies. And none of them are having babies that are something other than themselves. Cows make cows, cats make cats, dogs make dogs. There are no exceptions. But yet you, they want to find a bone in the dirt and think it could do something that no animal today can do. That's not science. That's blind faith. Right. That's a religion. Now, let they me, well, believe those bones are capable of doing something. Well, if you if you if you said that uh, it's blind faith, and then you said it's a religion, then obviously, from what you said, religion is blind faith. So, as far as believing in what well, religion a creator, is something you have to believe in, and yeah, yeah. As far as believing in a, in a creator. I take that on faith. Right. You see, I'm not asking. You're not asking? But I'm not asking everybody to pay with their tax dollars for my religion to be taught. They are demanding that we pay for their religion to be taught. Right. Exactly. I, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, l let me ask you, uh, Dr. Hoven. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people in this world that, uh, you know, believe in evolution and they, and they say the Bible is wrong. Can you, uh, besides evolution, can you uh, talk about some of the uh, some of the things written in the Bible that you can prove through science? Well, um, the Bible teaches real clearly that the Earth is only about six thousand years old. If you add up the dates that are given in Genesis five and Genesis ten and eleven, that's that's what it comes out to about about six thousand or four thousand BC. Okay. So if you forget the Bible and just look at science and you say, okay, the earth is spinning. We're turning around about 1,038 miles an hour at the equator, but the earth is slowing down. Any spinning object is going to slow down unless you're, you know, adding energy somehow. 
we know of the things that are at least three things that slow it down. One is the tides washing up on the beach. That's a lot of weight in all that ocean banging into the beach and puts a braking action. Spinning a ball with liquid on the surface, the liquid is going to, especially if it gets interrupted, like, a, like the tides get interrupted, that's going to have a slowing effect. Secondly is the winds on the surface, not as much as the tides, but the winds actually slow the earth down because of their uh, uh, friction with the surface of the earth. Thirdly is internal friction with the liquid core spinning. And there may be more factors, tidal uh, drag and stuff like that from the moon or even the planets or the sun. But mm -hmm. the earth is slowing down. It's been measured. And that's why about every year and a half, you'll see in the newspaper where you have to add a second to the clock. Just Google leap second. Okay. Okay. We have a leap second because the earth is slowing down. I don't think anybody argues with that. Okay. Well, if you go back billions of years, adding a second to the clock every year and a half or so, Pretty soon you start to create a problem. The Earth is spinning really fast. Right. Too fast for anything to be here because the Coriolis effect would create winds, or, you know, hurricane winds all over, like Jupiter has giant hurricanes all the time. So uh, I think the slowing spin of the Earth indicates it's not billions of years old, which would be a scientific indication that uh, it, it's young, and which is clearly what the Bible says, about 6,000. If you look at the erosion rate, let's see, we have landslides, mudslides, ground creep, mass wasting. Uh, all kinds of factors are pulling the earth down. The mountains are eroding, uh, washing you know, in, into the sea. Well, two things are happening here. The continents are becoming more leveled, and the seas are getting filled in with, with mud. If you look at the amount of mud in the ocean and divide that by the rate it's coming in, you get a smaller number than their 4.6 billion, that's for sure. Right. Um, I cover on my video number one about 50 different scientific ways to show the Earth is not billions of years old. You can do it from the biosphere, from living things. You know, the oldest living tree is 4,300 years old. Well, that's when Noah's flood was, 4,400 years ago. So why isn't there a, a 50,000-year-old tree someplace? <laughs> exactly. Um, you, can do it, you can do it from geology. It's all, it's all different. You can do it from outer space, from the stars. There's many ways to show the universe cannot be billions of years old. So to me, the scientific uh, facts would stand behind the Bible teaching of what we, they call it a young earth. I mm -hmm. say, guys, 6,000 is not young. It's hard to think about Columbus 500 years ago trying to find this place. Right, but... Uh, 6,000 is a lot. Columbus... Compared, com compared to billions, it's not much. Right, right. Columbus thought uh, the earth was flat. But yet in Genesis, it talks about the uh, the roundness of the earth. So um, I'm sure Jesus was around uh, a lot sooner than uh, um, Columbus. Um, that's just one way that I, I can prove to people that the Bible is is truth. And there's Yeah, I don't know if Columbus thought that, but a lot of people in his day thought the earth was flat and they would sail off the edge. Right. Um, which, of course, is pretty dumb, but that's what they thought. Yep. Hey, um, you want to yeah, go through in my seminar as far as uh, other in book. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. You first. You're, you're the, you're, well, you're you the, mentioned guest. the scientific ways to prove the Bible is true. Right. Okay. Well, scientific ways to prove the Bible is true. The Bible says there was a flood that covered the whole world. When they got to the top of Mount Everest, 1953, uh, they found clams, petrified clams in the closed position. Well, first, clams open when they die. Uh, they're not going to, they would not be closed. And uh, 
and how did he get on top of Mount Everest? In Psalm 104, it says, during the last part of the flood, the mountains arose and the valleys sank down. So during the last few months of Noah's flood, the mountains lifted up and the water rushed off, filling in the oceans. So to put clams on top of Mount Everest is easy to explain from the biblical worldview. Plus, if you look at the fact that reptiles never stop growing, reptiles grow all their life. Right. And the Bible says people live to be 900 before the flood, Genesis chapter 5. And so reptiles would grow to be 70 feet long. So you would expect to find giant reptiles uh, like dinosaurs, which are big lizards with Adam and Eve. They did not live millions of years ago. That's why we chose Dr. Dino as our website. Is, is there any other proof besides the Bible that um, people lived long, uh, 900 years? I mean, is there uh, any type of evidence for that? Many, yeah, many countries have a legend. Sure, just Google Golden Age. Well, I'm not I'm uh, talking there about are many ancient civilizations. Well, a, a legend be, could be considered a myth. So whether it's you know whether it's true or not. Oh, what, sure. I'm, what I'm saying is there is there like scientific well, proof? Asked, asked I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know how you could I don't know how you could do that if that was 4,400 years ago when people were living to be 900. There's certainly historical uh, implication that people lived to great age. Uh, many ancient books talk about a time when man used to live to be a thousand years old, and they died peacefully in their sleep, and every and there. There was no work. They didn't have to plant the crops. They would grow automatically. So this uh, golden age is, uh, why would all these cultures in different parts of the world have legends of a golden age? There must have been some reason for them coming up with a similar story. Well, possibly. Um, I Two things I need from you. I, I need you to ex explain to our listeners um, where, where the dinosaurs were. Yeah, on Earth, you know, as far as uh, where in time did they show up? And obviously, uh, because of Noah's flood, that's when they disappeared. And also then, after that, I would like you to talk talk to us about um, Dino World. So, uh, first of all, if you, okay. get, you can well, explain. Well, the Bible says in Exodus chapter. Go ahead. In Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He wrote this on a rock with his own finger and handed it to Moses. And in there, God said, I want you to work six days and rest one, the Sabbath, because I worked six days and rested one. It says, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Well, if he made everything in six days, then he had to make dinosaurs and man at the same time. Um... And then, they, and like I mentioned, reptiles never stopped growing. So before the flood came, they would live to be 900 and grow to be 60 feet long. So the dinosaurs were big lizards with Adam and Eve, not millions of years ago. Then they, Noah would have taken them on the ark, probably babies, just be sure to get a pink one and a blue one. And okay. after the flood, many couldn't live as long because the climate was different. Second problem was people were hunting them. Back in those days, they called them dragons. And so that's where all the legends of people killing dragons come from. And there are thousands of stories from countries all over the world of people killing dragons right. all through history. And there could be a few still alive. There have been a whole lot of sightings of creatures like Loch Ness Monster, Lake Champlain Monster, 
up in uh, between Vermont and New York. You got the uh, Lake Champlain there. Right. People claim they've seen a plesiosaur. One washed up on the beach in California in 1925 at a 20-foot-long neck. Uh, plesiosaur laying on the beach, just freshly, freshly dead. So I cover in my video three all about dinosaurs living with man all through history and how some could still be around. Mm -hmm. I certainly mentioned in the Bible, but they use the word dragon instead. Now you said the uh, the ap the atmosphere was different back then. Also, would you say that the pressure was different than it is now? Well, I believe Genesis. Yeah, right. Genesis chapter one tells us that there was water above the firmament, and in chapter one verse twenty one, it tells us the birds or verse twenty the birds fly in the firmament. So if the firmament is where the birds fly, and there used to be water above the firmament, the conclusion would be that there was somehow water above the atmosphere. And I, I teach it was probably a canopy of ice. That's what the Jews have always believed, that there was a thin layer, two or three inches thick, mm -hmm. of ice over the whole world, like a shell, <clears throat> a canopy. It could be held up by air pressure, like a big inflatable building. It could be held up by uh, the Earth's magnetic field, because super cold ice is... Uh, can be levitated with a magnet. Mm -hmm. I don't know what held it up, but it fell down. But that layer of ice above the um, air would filter out the harmful effects of the sun, would increase air pressure, and would make an even temperature from pole to pole. You could grow things at the North and South Pole, uh, have a garden if before the flood came. But in the flood, that all fell down. So it's not up there anymore. Right. The Jews have always taught there was a crystalline firmament around the earth. Now, now you had said there was something, uh, uh, I don't know if it's what you call a Hoven theory, where it was uh, an ice meteor. Did you uh, talk a little bit about that? An ice meteor? To yeah, that's one theory of what happened to uh -huh. destroy that canopy. Of, if outer space is full of chunks of ice flying around, uh -huh. I don't think anybody would argue about that. Uh, there are I, most of the meteors that hit the Earth, the falling stars, shooting stars. Uh, I think I forget what percentage. It's a pretty high percentage. Are actually ice, and they, uh, you know, break apart and melt, coming into our atmosphere pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So only they say about five million a day strike the Earth's atmosphere, but only about five a day actually get through to the surface, and hit and hit the ground. A few people have been hit by them, by <laughs> meteors. One lady in Georgia was hit in the thigh. Just Google a woman hit by meteorite. It's pretty rare, fortunately, but right. it can happen. Um, if an ice meteor came, if an ice meteor came anywhere close to the Earth, our gravity would suck it in, and then it would hit the Earth and, and crack that canopy above, causing it to break apart. And since it's magnetic, most of it would be sucked into the poles, north and south pole. And I think mm -hmm. we had ice dumped on the poles, which pushed all the way out to Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, the ice age. It was ice a mile thick at Kansas City. Wow. So I don't think anybody's going to argue that, yes, there was an ice age. The only argument is when and why. Um, the Bible says the fountains of the deep broke open. There used to be water in the crust of the earth. It's mentioned in Psalm 24, uh, Psalm 36, and Psalm, or Psalm 33, and Psalm 136, water under the crust of the earth. That's where most of the flood water came from from subterranean chambers of water. And of course, there's still lots of water in the earth. I don't think anybody argues about that. You get down to the bottom of the ocean, they found tens of millions of hot water vents, hot water shooting up into the bottom of the ocean. 
which means it has to be coming from down lower than that. And, and do you believe that I this... I cover all that in my seminar part. Part two? Was it two? Um, you uh, I'm sorry, do I believe what now? The the water. Uh, do you believe that that's what cut through the Grand Canyon? Or it's what cut through to make the Grand Canyon was the water? Well, I think Grand... Go ahead. Oh, no question. Water made Grand Canyon. Well, I would say my guess would be Grand Canyon formed 50 years after Noah's flood. During the flood, the earth is covered with water. Right. And if you smoothed out the earth right now, there'd be about a mile and a half of water everywhere. Just push the mountains down, lift the oceans up, and smooth it out a mile and a half, about 8,000 feet of water. Well, Psalm 104 says towards the end of the flood, the mountains arose and the valleys sank down. I think the continents lifted up to their, you know, where they are now, and the water rushed off into the ocean basins. And there was probably a giant lake backed up behind what is now Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. it would cover half of Utah and Colorado. If you built a dam across Grand Canyon, that would take a lot of dirt, by the way, but if you did, <laughs> it would block it off, and the, the gigantic lake would form behind it. Any farmer that's ever built a dam to hold water for his cows or something will tell you, you better really have a carefully planned out spillway, because if the lake gets too deep and goes over the top, it'll find the lowest point and carve out a notch, and you'll drain your lake and in an hour. I think Grand Canyon probably formed in a couple of weeks max because once the water starts cutting, it's, no, it's, it's not only eroding, which it does very rapidly, it picks up debris and it becomes liquid sandpaper. You get actually at least three, maybe more. You get erosion, abrasion, and liquefaction that happen and cavitation. Rapidly moving water creates a suction mm-hmm. that starts to ask anybody who uh, drives a boat the propeller will get cavitation pits on it because rapidly moving steel through the water, the water creates such a suction, it pulls pieces of steel off your propeller and makes little pits in it, cavitation pits. So Grand Canyon would be formed very rapidly because of the rapidly draining lake. It's it's a giant washed out spillway is all it is. Well, the Grand Canyon is is made out of granite, shale, really, really hard rock. Do you... actually think that the water could actually... Well, parts of it are. If you look at it... It could cut through it that quickly in a matter oh, yeah, of weeks? Oh, yeah. Water can cut through... Steel. Well, yeah. cut through steel. Well, if water you have, can cut through steel. If you have the right... <laughs> pre- well, if you have the right pressure. Well, God is... Correct. ...can do it. If you look at Grand Canyon, uh, cutaway view, it's mostly sandstone. It's the, the Kokomo sandstones and the, you know, limestones and softer rocks. I don't know how much of it's granite. I don't think a lot of the layers are granite. But even then, once you get enough water moved, I mean, look at concrete dams when they fail. It'll cut right through the concrete. Mm-hmm. They fail all the time. So now, uh, Dr. Hoven, you've got a, um, a ministry in Alabama, uh, Lenox, Alabama, and you have a, uh, a park called Dino Land, correct? Dinosaur Adventure Land. Dinosaur Adventureland. Why don't you talk about that? Uh, so, so how, how did the opening? How did the how did the opening go? It went great. It was just last week. Uh-huh. We're in the middle of no place, Alabama, one of the poorest counties in Alabama. Conecuh County's only got thirteen thousand people. 
And a guy bought this old gravel pit, 140 acres, and gave it to us. And so I had Dinosaur Adventureland in Pensacola, and we moved 70 miles north now. Uh, in Pensacola, we had 100,000 visitors come through from every state and 150 countries, uh, 120 countries, uh, to visit our dinosaur. So we're starting up again here now, and it went really well. We had people come from all over the place to see our grand opening. It's just a small, uh, it's a combination of a lot of things, a campground primarily, but a theme park, museum, science center, all kinds of hands-on activities where the kids can learn not only a science lesson, but a Bible lesson associated with each one of them. Uh, there are 10 lakes on the property with uh, boats and canoes and swimming and uh, water slides. We have just lots of fun stuff to do, but we try to make everything teach a, a life lesson that will uh, encourage people to, to live for God. Come on down and see it. I'll give you guys a tour. Did you uh, end up getting the rope from, um, you were uh, looking for anyone who had any uh, rope that was uh, like, for barges and tugboats and stuff. Do, were you ever uh, able to get that donated to you? I got one piece, 100 feet long, of one-inch rope, which we've used right away. I could use some of the bigger two- or three- or four-inch rope, barge rope. No, we did not get any of that yet. I need some. We've got some four. Have you driven a four-wheeler before? Yes, I have. Yep. Okay, well... This place is four-wheeler heaven. It was a gravel pit for years, so there are sand dunes that are just ginormous, that are incredible. Someone gave me a four-wheeler that'll go 70 to zero in one second when you hit a tree. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what else does that? The snowmobiles also do that, too, especially, especially when you're over here in the snow and you're going 70 <laughs> and you hit a tree. Yep. Um. Now, where can people yes, uh, <laughs> where where can people find Dinoland? Dinosaur Adventureland. Dinosaur Come Adventureland. On, yeah, I'm getting old. Eh? Well, Google Lenox, Alabama. If you Google Lenox, Alabama, your computer will say you have got to be kidding. Uh, <laughs> Thirty five people in the whole town. Wow. Uh, but it is really a fun place. It's uh, a guy gave us this property, and it's it's just oh, it's perfect for a camp. We've got it. It was a jungle when we got it. Uh, it, it we built let's see five bunk houses. Uh, there are two bath houses with showers and baths. Uh, our new pole barn is uh, 60 by 80, and we've put three additions on it since then, uh, full of all kinds of science experiments that are really fun. Every time we, everything we do around here, we try to have a science lesson and a Bible lesson. For example, uh, in reclaiming the land here, after they mined the uh, clay and gravel out, they put in lakes and roads and planted trees. Well, there's one tree that's crookeder than a dog's hind leg. It grows like a letter S. And so it comes out of the ground crooked and then curves around and then curves back up and finally goes going straight again. Now, is that and the we tell the kids, you know, when this tree was little, something – go ahead – that's not the tree you hit with the four-wheeler, is it? Yeah, we tell them when this... <laughs> no, no, that's not the one. Uh, we tell them, you know, when this tree was little, something must have gotten its way. It decided to go around it and keep growing, keep seeking the light. And if you've got obstacles in your life, like everybody does, go around them, keep growing, keep seeking the light. A simple lesson from a tree, which doesn't even have a brain, it knows how to grow toward the light. Very and I good. tell the kids, get a goal and keep pushing toward it. Don't change. Keep pushing toward your goal. That's a good lesson. When we learn. go up the sand dune, we 
tell the kids, yeah, on the way up, we tell them before we try climbing the sand dune on the four-wheeler, we tell them, now, when you're going up a sand dune, you really can't speed up very much. You just dig the tires right in. You have to build up some speed before you get there. It's kind of like your checkbook. You know, if your bills are due on the 30th, don't wait till the 29th and start saving. Or if your homework's due on Friday, don't wait till Thursday night to start it. Build up a little speed, you know, just right. so learning right. from a sand dune. Um, there are just all kinds of cool lessons here we teach. Uh, we have a way you can measure your horsepower. Uh, we have a circle swivel spring swing where the kid swings in a circle while he's spinning. It's my own invention. <laughs> I learned years ago, if you eat a whole lot of pizza with peanut butter on it, you wake up at 2 in the morning with really cool ideas. And that one I thought of. And so the kids go nuts over it. And then when they're done spinning in a circle and bouncing up and down and spinning around, we get let them off the swing. And, of course, they're totally dizzy. And we've got a wooden Bible nailed to a tree. And we say, now, kid, why don't you go over there and hug that tree? Because, believe it or not, it's not moving. You're going to think it's moving. <laughs> but it's not moving. And sometimes in life when you get all confused, you need something solid to hang on to like God's Word. Amen. Amen. What we're hoping to do here is build a model that people can people can copy everywhere else. Somebody up in Massachusetts needs to build a dinosaur adventure land. Pick a different name, but do, use science to teach. It's the truth about you know, evolution's a lie. It didn't happen. God made the world. He ought to get the glory for it. That's all we're trying to do here. So, so Dr. Hovind, what do you think should be taught in school? I mean, you say you know uh, evolution is a religion, and religion is not taught in schools. What should be taught? I mean, is there a certain a certain area that you think is real science as far as, I mean, you know, evolution isn't, but biology maybe? It's oh, yeah, I taught biology, physical science, earth science for 15 years. I love those topics. But the bigger question is, you know, should we even have public schools at all? Or should everybody homeschool their kids or, you know, private schools? I mean, for, for a long time in America, there was no public school system. Right. Kids were taught by parents or taught by, you know, groups that met together in the community. So uh, certainly the first thing I would do if I were king, I would shut down the federal involvement in the school system. The federal government has no business being involved in education at all, zero. It's a state issue at best. You read the Constitution, you know, Article 10 or 10th Amendment says, Anything not spelled out in this document, those powers are left to the states. Okay, well, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government authority to educate people. The government doesn't have any children. Parents have children. Their mama can explain that to them, too. So the <laughs> children belong to God, and they're entrusted to parents, not to government. So the first thing I would do, shut down the federal involvement and put it back at the state level or the local level. Then the problem very quickly solves itself. The local people can decide what they want their kids to be taught. Secondly, I would say, if we're going to teach science in science class, then evolution should be excluded because it's not part of science. You can teach the kids, hey, you've got you know, the two bones in your wrist called the radius and the ulna. But the kid says, well, teacher, how did they get there? I don't know. We're not allowed to talk about how they got there. But the fact is you've got to learn the names of them for the test. You know, radius, ulna, humerus, carpals, metacarpals, etc. So they, kids can learn science without learning any evolution. Evolution has nothing to do with science. It's a complete distraction. Even if the theory were true, and it's not, it's a waste of time. 
There isn't a medical doctor in the world that cares about evolution when he's operating on somebody, sewing them up or putting their bones back together. It doesn't matter. He better know his real anatomy. Nothing, nothing about evolution matters at all. It's not true, but even if it were true, it's a useless theory. Um, so I would point out that in science class, we should teach science. Right. And, and avoid any, any religious implications at all. If you're going to have a public school, which is a big if, but if you have a public school, well, then teach science. Quit teaching this religion of evolution. We have one religion being given exclusive uh, treatment in all of our school systems. It's insane. Correct. Well, if, if you uh, take out evolution that says that the world is billions of years old and put in uh, your your form of of creation, which is 6,000, isn't that uh, excluding everybody else and, and just making uh, rel religion... Priority? Priority? No, no. I, I, you can teach science and say, no, I, I wouldn't teach you the one. I would say, hey, kids, the moon is going around the Earth. It's 240,000 miles away, but it's getting farther away about two inches a year. That means the moon used to be closer. Okay, if you bring the moon in closer, the tides get high. One billion years, I think it's 1.2 billion years. At the rate the moon is leaving us, the orbit would collapse. So the moon is up there every night looking at us saying, hey, I'm not 4.6. The Earth is not 4.6 billion years old. So if, but see, if, as soon as you start to take away time, the evolutionists start crying like a baby that lost his pacifier because they've got to have billions of years. If I told you if you kiss a frog, it'll turn to a prince, <laughs> you would say, come on, Hovind, that's a fairy tale. Well, that's what my wife right? thought I was. So, <laughs> but the textbooks in your town, okay. Well, the textbooks in your town teach the frog turned to the prince, but he did it slowly over billions of years. Same fairy tale with a new ingredient. Instead of a kiss, it's now time. So you can see it's a scientific fact. The moon is moving away. It's a scientific fact. The sun is burning up. It's burning a whole lot of fuel. Gets lousy gas mileage, twenty-five tons a second. Well. Go back in time and add 25 tons a second to the to the sun, wind the clock backwards, and at some point it becomes so massive, the gravity is stronger, that it starts pulling the planets in out of their orbit, sucks them in like a magnet. It cannot be billions of years old. So forget the Bible. You can just look at the science of the solar system or the fact that the Earth is slowing down or the oceans are getting saltier or their oceans are filling in with sediments. Uh, there's there are about a hundred scientific indicators the earth is not billions of years old you can give the kid all of those in school without ever mentioning the bible and all of them are going to come to the conclusion wow the earth is a few thousand years old maybe 10 20 40 at the most but it's not billions <clears throat> right and dr Holman, not even mentioning the bible right you can demonstrate this earth is not billions yes dr Holman, we got uh roughly about 15 minutes left uh, we're going to give a chance to uh, anybody out there listening who would like to call in and ask uh, Dr. Ken Hoven a uh, question. The phone number is 720-835-5330, pin number 05800. We got our special guest today is Dr. Ken Hoven. Um, he teaches creation science evangelism. So if you'd like to call at this time, uh, the number is 720-835-5330, pin number 05800. Now, Dr. Hoven, uh, do you have, uh, were you, did you manage to get a restaurant on your, uh, or is that something you're thinking about, a restaurant on your, at the Adventureland? 
No, we don't have a restaurant. Probably uh-huh. won't ever. We have, people can uh-huh. bring their own lunch, and we have a kitchen they're welcome to use and cook their lunch. Different people bring in the cater stuff. The guy brought in barbecue ribs yesterday. Oh, oh man. man. A bunch of them <laughs> for free. So that was good. Everybody got barbecue ribs. So <clears throat> let me ask I you. I told the people, I said, I have to warn you now. It's been proven if, if you eat. Well, that's been proven. If you eat barbecued ribs, your babies will be born naked. So be very careful with this. But they <laughs> eat it anyway. Did you ever get the chance, the honor to uh, meet uh, the Reverend Billy Graham? I did not. Okay. Now, his brother, he had an older brother who loved my videotapes and tried to get Billy to watch them. I don't know if he ever did or not. Uh, but no, it never did. That's too bad. <laughs> I have one more thing on uh, your uh, creation. I, I, I have this PDF with your uh, creation science evangelism. It's a book, actually, I guess that you wrote. It's like 117 pages long. And it talks uh, about, uh, there's one part here that talks about illegal drug usage by youth. And... Basically, since uh, was it nineteen sixty something, and when evolution was was uh, brought into the textbooks, uh, illegal drug use has gone up six thousand percent. What does that have to do with? What does drug use have yeah. to do with evolution? Of course, I'll... well, I guess it ties back into the question of uh, how do you tell right from wrong. I've asked atheists all over the world that simple question. How, if evolution is true, how do you tell right from wrong? I had one atheist in Canada tell me, he said, well, it's simple. I decide what's right and wrong. He said, I'm the God of my own universe. I said, man, am I glad to hear that because I'm going to shoot you in five minutes. <laughs> he said, you can't do that. I said, well, sure I can. I said, I'm the God of my own universe. I decided it's fine for me to shoot you. What's the problem here? <laughs> How do you tell right from wrong? You, men- you mentioned the word illegal drug use. Well, that's the whole point. Our society has passed a few laws that said we don't want you using these things because it causes other problems like impairs your driving or makes you do crazy things, makes you go nuts and go you know, shoot other people. So certain drugs are simply illegal. Now, I've never taken any drugs. I did have an aspirin about three months ago because mm-hmm. my back hurt. But that's it. That's all the drugs I take is aspirin once in a while. So I've never tasted alcohol, 65 years old. So the illegal drug use has skyrocketed. The kids are being taught there's no such thing as right or wrong. Ask any evolutionist. Tell me, what. make a list of 10 things that are wrong, but I want to know how you're making this decision. How do you measure right from wrong if evolution is true? Is it wrong for the lion to eat the baby zebra? I bet the zebra thinks it's wrong, but the lion thinks it's wonderful. Well, the the, the lion's it's, doing it for do his right from wrong. The lion's doing it for his own survival, so he could eat. And okay, well, Hitler was killing the Jews because he thought it would improve the German society, and he absorbed all their wealth into his you know his company, his country. Right. He thought it was great. Now, it's too bad for the Jews. The the lions are absorbing the zebra into their you know into their diet. And I'm sure the lion thinks it's fine. Well, I don't think the Jews thought it was fine. Well, Hitler was Hitler thought it was great. Hitler was uh, a few bushels short of a full load. His uh, not, the elevator didn't go all the way to the top with with Hitler, right? But you have you have to incorporate Dr. Hogan. Well, he was a very strong believer in evolution. 
Right, but you also have to incorporate the fact that he was probably mentally unstable. It has nothing to do with, at least I believe this, it doesn't have anything to do with Satan. It has to do with the fact that some people are just wired wrong. And that's how they're born. But what Dr. Holman is saying is, who are you to say what is right and what is wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Why, yeah, why, why, why was it wrong? What, why was Hitler, what, what he did? Why do you think it's wrong? If evolution is true, everybody in his country, you know, let him be the ruler. There were 55 million Germans at the time of the war, and they apparently thought it was okay, and they certainly enjoyed the boom. Their society was booming under Hitler. Well, yeah, because he's stealing billions of dollars from these people he's killing. Right. Yeah. Well, Hitler, Hitler had a list he was going by. A Catholic priest had written a book in 1907, and this Catholic priest had listed the races of humans. He had Norwegians, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, at the top. By the way, I'm Norwegian, have blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> Hitler had the Germans next next to them. At the bottom of the list was the were the Jews, and right above them were the blacks. Right. Hitler hated black people. And in 1936, when the uh, American athlete Jesse Owens won the most gold medals at the Olympics in Germany, he walked right was enraged, yep. walked out of the stadium and refused to shake his hand because of his belief in evolution. That's why he thought they were an inferior species. People don't realize this evolution theory is not only dumb, it's dangerous. Correct. Correct. Now, there's a lot of, lot of explorers who... Uh, try to prove different things in the Bible. Um, they're still looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Um, I have, uh, I've watched a documentary once where these explorers had checked the, uh, oh, what sea did God part for the, um, the Red Sea, the Red Sea, when God, uh, parted the Red Sea and, Red sea. and, uh, these explorers had found a spot, which, would coincide with what the Bible says, and they actually found uh, chariots on, in the water in one area. Have you ever been able to uh, um, go on any scientific uh, explorations where you have found some proof of the Bible? Well, the people who found the crossing of the Red Sea, and they did find the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Ron Wyatt was a good friend of mine. He died in 99. His uh, partner, Richard Reeves, and his son, David Reeves, took over the ministry. They're up in uh, Cornersville, Tennessee, just north of Alabama, a few miles. Um, yeah, you can go to wyattmuseum.com and see pictures of the chariot wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea. Uh, now, Ron's story about the Ark of the Covenant has been hushed up by the Jewish authorities because they want to put it in their new temple, which they're ready to build soon as they get permission from the Arabs who own the Temple Mount. So I, I think there's going to be another war here soon, and the Jews are going to win again, and the Arabs are going to sell them 10 or 15 acres on that Temple Mount so they can build their, their temple, which has been destroyed 2,000 years ago. I cover that in my new video series called Woe, W-O-E, for what on earth is about to happen, where I did a whole video series about the future, right. according to what the Bible teaches, what's coming next. Uh, it's about to get pretty bad on planet Earth. 
before it gets better. It's going to get really bad. So, well, I know, I know uh, that. But the, I can talk about all that and show all the evidence. And, I, I know that the Jews want to rebuild the temple, but uh, isn't there, right where it was supposed to be built, there's a mosque there in that in that right in that spot. Well, that, spot. That's that's why they built the mosque there. But it turns out they built the mosque in the wrong spot. If you look at a map of Jerusalem, just look at a picture of Jerusalem, there's an eastern gate. Just Google eastern gate. It is bricked shut. In the year 600, or about the year 600, the Muslims took over Jerusalem, and uh, they built a temple, built a mosque, the Mosque of Omar, on top of the, a rock that they thought was the place where the old temple stood. Uh, it turns out they missed it by about 100 yards. Then, because the temple had been gone for 600 years at the time, right? So nobody knew for sure where it was. Then, um, the someone read to, in 1500. Someone read the, to the Muslim ruler of Jerusalem the prophecy in the Bible that Messiah would come through the eastern gate. So he bricked it shut and, and put a cemetery out front. Said, "Aha! Now he can't come." Well, it turns out the. Uh, they found a letter from a Jewish rabbi who was up on top of Mount of Olives, which is about an eighth of a mile away toward the east. He said, I'm offering the sacrifice of the red heifer on the Mount of Olives. He said, I can look right over the eastern gate and see right into the front door of the temple. Okay, well, then the mosque is 100 yards too far south. And now they've discovered that's not even the same eastern gate. By 1,500 years after Christ was crucified, the um, dirt and debris had grown around the wall so much that they built a new gate, an eastern gate, and it's about, I don't know, 20 or 30 yards away from the original. You can just barely see the top of the original eastern gate uh, even further north. So there's plenty of room on the Temple Mount. The whole north half of it is empty. They could easily sell 10 or 15 or 20 acres to the Jews to build their uh, – that'll probably be the most expensive – Real estate transaction. I, I I don't think I don't no. think that the Sorry. I don't think that the Arabs are ever going to sell land to the to the Israel the Israelites. They hate each other. They would rather kill them than uh, barter with them. Right. So now, I mean, in order to have a, 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 a I, I'm I'm I'll make you make what what I'll make you a bet on that one. I'll, I'd make you a bet on that one. They're going to sell them that land, knowing that a couple years later they're going to take it back from them. They're going to sell it to the Jews, let them build their temple, and then three and a half years later, break the treaty and steal the land back. Now, wouldn't that be um, that's one of the signs in Revelations? Exactly right. There's coming a seven-year period called this. I used to believe and teach for 40 years that Jesus can come back any second. He can come before the time of tribulation. That's called the pre-trib rapture. It is not true. Boy, I wish it was, yeah. but it's not. We're going to be here for the tribulation. He comes back after the tribulation before the wrath of God falls. And that's in my new book I wrote called What on Earth is About to Happen, for Heaven's Sake. And I have charts and books and uh, all my video series on that on drdino.com. Now, you had talked about Ron Wyatt finding the Ark of the Covenant, um, and he was a friend of yours, correct? Correct. Now, did you get to actually... Correct, good friend of mine. Did you get to view the Ark of the Covenant? No, it, it, he, it never got moved. It is, it is about 20 feet underground, straight under where Christ was crucified. Ron found it, verified it, 
took the information to the Jewish authorities and said, this is your ark. And they said, thank you very much. Nobody has touched it or moved it. He would have found it, oh man, 25 years ago. Um, and <clears throat> I knew him pretty well, and he was, a, he was a humble man. He wasn't looking for any glory. Um, if I was God, he's the type of guy I would allow to find those things because he would give God the glory instead of you know, make a bunch of money off it. But um, yeah, it's still there. They can have it out in about 10 or 15 minutes with a bulldozer, knock the wall down uh, and get it out. It's the same ark that uh, Solomon would have built or that Moses would have built and was in Solomon's temple. Uh, it's a, an insider still that's still got the Ten Commandments, according to Ron. Now, can anybody actually touch the ark? Because uh, um, isn't there uh, something where uh, <clears throat> unclean man cannot touch the ark or he will die? Well, that was in the Old Testament. Uh, Ron thought about that long and hard, he told me. When he realized what it was, he thought about it long and hard. Man, this guy named Uzzah went and touched it, and God killed him. But Ron said, hey, I'm a blood-bought, born-again Christian. I, my sins are gone. Um, yes. So he went and opened it up and said the Ten Commandments are still in there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's inside of a, a box made of rock. It's about the size of a, I don't know, a small coffee table. It's not a huge thing, about you know, three feet, four feet long. But gold-plated, uh, gold-plated wood. The Jews, a friend of mine came to uh, visit when I was in Pensacola. He, he, I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I play the harp for the one of the big orchestras, Philharmonic or something, uh, orchestra. He said, also in my spare time, I go to Israel and help them build olive wood harps for the new upcoming, because they're going to they're going to get their temple open someday, and they want the Temple Institute. People are building harps. He said, I built about 50 for them, I think he said. I'm teaching them to play the harp for the, for the new temple. Right. I said, so you work with the Temple Institute? He said, yeah, every day. I said... Have they, are they, he said, they're building the high priest garments. They're building all the stuff they need. I said, what about the Ark of the Covenant? Because I knew Ron had found it. Mm -hmm. He looked at me funny. He said, you know, I just asked him about that a few weeks ago when I was over there. He said, all they say is we have that taken care of. They're not building a new one. I said, why aren't they building a new one? He said, all they'll say is they have it taken care of. They're real quiet about it, but they know right where the real one is, the original one. Right. I, I would gonna, be, be pretty quiet. Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah, God told Jeremiah, hey, you guys are going to lose. King's going to come beat you up and take you into captivity. The king would not listen to Jeremiah, so they got mad at Jeremiah and beat him up and threw him in the dungeon and all that stuff. Well, Jeremiah apparently took the temple furniture out himself and hid it before they got conquered. Because when you read the story in Second Chronicles and in Ezra about all the stuff that the king hauled off, it talks about the knives and forks and spoons and bowls. It doesn't even mention the Ark of the Covenant because he never hauled it off. It was hidden, Ooh. probably by Jeremiah. Right, right. Well, Dr. Hoven, I think we're going to wrap this uh, show up. Um, there's you... so, this creation science evangel, there's so much to... To, 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 to learn to dig into yes yeah, there's so much to learn um well we want to mention one more time dinosaur adventure land dr hoven how can somebody uh get a hold of you and maybe donate yeah it's, it's absolutely free to come here we have a, a club called the 777 club where people donate a dollar a day 
31 bucks a month. And then they, they, that keeps us able to open it up for free to everybody that comes. We want to bring people in and get them saved. We had five baptized last week. Nice. Uh, we're trying to be evangelism. We're a soul winning place. So they can call 855-BIG-DINO, like a big dinosaur. And go to extension one, as to order my books. Extension two is the secretary. And extension three is my cell phone. They want to talk to me. 855-BIG-DINO. Extension three, I'll answer any questions they got. Our website is Dr. Dino. If someone sends 31 bucks and says, or 30, and says I want to be a member of the 777 Club, they will then they should then go to uh, email drdino at drdino.com and tell them I want to join the 777 Club. So that's how we support it. Excellent. Good to hear that. Um, well, I hope uh, <clears throat> you have a very successful summer with uh, Dinosaur Adventureland. Dr. Hoving, we want to thank you for being on our show. Um, you're going to be one of our surprise guests. Hopefully, I'll, I'll be talking to your secretary <laughs> and uh, in the future. Um, okay, sounds good. You have yourself a wonderful weekend, and God bless you. All right. All right, thanks so much. Call anytime. Yeah. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, bye. Well, we got through it, even though we had a lot of... Uh, um, Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Oh my goodness! So this is what happens when when uh, um, you have a high speed internet and you go to satellite. Yeah. <laughs> well, because we're, we're over here at Dan's lair. We're at the his lair because yes. our studio is. We well, for the past couple of days, uh, we've had uh, some problems with the internet, and what what happened was, it, what's funny, is the fact that we had. Three feet of snow, and we had no problem with the internet when we had the when Bob Corshane was on the show. Right, and then you have a, a beautiful fifty degree day, and boom, the internet goes out. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, so, that's because Satan lives in your backyard. Oh, so. that nothing to do with Satan. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, um, May 6th, we're, Bob Corshane is going to be back, Elder Bob Corshane from Meadowbrook Church, yes, Howard, for his, Wisconsin. For his second edition. Yes, second edition. May 13th, we're going to um, close the show off because uh, Mother's Day. Uh, we might have a message for all mothers out there at that time, but uh, mm -hmm. that's about it. May 22nd, who do we have, uh, Oh, Jason? we have the lovely Pastor Sue Schneider. From Trinity Lutheran Church. Right, in Madison, Wisconsin. And then we, we're we going to uh, have a... Oh, yes, May 27th has been canceled. Uh, it's now going to be on June the 10th. Right. It's a special show uh, on the power of prayer. That's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, we're going to have a bunch of uh, some uh, past guests on the show. Um and we're going to be discussing the power of prayer June 10th. It's no longer May 27th. We had a scheduling issue. Um, so we're going to have uh, three more shows this season, and that's going to be May 6th, May 22nd, and June 10th. And then uh, we will be back in. Our, our next season starts in September. But, uh, you know, listen for us. Subscribe to our channel so that way you keep getting the uh, alerts when we're, when we're on. Correct. Yep. Support us that way. So, for two guys and a mic, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. Take care of yourself, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.